Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Uh, before the conference earlier this year, I was making a habit of every time we open up a Realcom Live that I would come up with a phrase or a word to describe what you're about to encounter. Uh, today, the word fascinating comes to my mind, um, legitimate, authentic. Um, and what I mean by that is, is today we're going to be talking about this phenomena that has been going on for years and was accelerated by the pandemic. People working from home, buildings now being left half or more empty, uh, a real struggle uh, to figuring out what the workplace of the future looks like. And as we're sitting here today, there are hundreds of thousands of people sitting in conference rooms and boardrooms trying to figure this out. This is not a tactical 10-year change. This is a paradigm shift. And by the way, this paradigm shift has been going on for 20 years. It's just the pandemic pushed this over the top. And so as many people are sitting there trying to figure this out, if they haven't been trying and failing and iterating on this topic over the last 10, 15 years, they're really kind of starting from scratch. And even though you can see something written down or see a picture, to really understand a complex topic like that, um, you frankly have to have been in the battle and, and understood this. And our guest today... I consider him a friend. I consider him a leader. I consider him a visionary. Emmanuel Daniel, uh, title EPC Digitization Leader, Microsoft Cloud Operations and Innovation. That's a great title, but Emmanuel is so much more. And I think um, you better go call your coworkers to the screen and listen to this. If not, watch it um, after the fact, because you are about to get some education on the future of space um that, that not too many people can deliver so with that let's bring on our guest emmanuel daniel emmanuel how are you hey jim good morning doing great yeah i i based on our green room conversation like i was joking we should just have recorded that because there were some real nuggets um all right so millions of podcasts you know people all out there giving their opinions um, good thing about the internet is we can reach anybody. Bad thing is we can reach anybody. And there's a lot of people theorizing about what does the future hold for corporate real estate facilities, the workplace, you know, the work environment. You have been on a journey for 15 plus years. Why don't you give us some of your background so people have an understanding of how long you've been not just thinking about this, but doing some things. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. And first of all, thank you for having me. I'm always delighted to have this conversation with you as part of the Realcom community. Uh, the, the, for me, building started with the focus on making buildings efficient and engaged. Uh, I started working out in, in Singapore. That's where I'm from. And our whole focus was how can you redefine building operations for the future? So the next generation of folks will not be building operators, but will become building managers where they use data insights and use that to manage buildings better and more efficiently, especially with, a, with an aging workforce. Um, how is that going to be done where rather than having 10 people looking at a building, you're going to use one person managing 10 buildings. And building that started in Singapore, that journey started in Singapore. Yeah. Did you by chance have a chance to peek inside Capital Towers? I do. Uh, <laughs> probably you know, all of the buildings in Singapore that uh, that were smart, try to be smart or were going to become smart. I probably touched it, seen it, gone inside it. Spoken to the folks at it. So the the and Singapore as as a small country, Jim has to innovate. You know, it doesn't have a choice uh, because right. you have to innovate to stay relevant, and you have to innovate to be efficient. You know, so you so we try a lot of cool stuff out there with all the facilities and with all the buildings that we have. Now, 
along the way, as I was working there, I realized, you know, buildings are not just about efficiency. Buildings are not just about sustainability, though absolutely important. Buildings are, are about space and about people who interact and consume that space because you know singapore is a short space uh, it, it's uh, it's a city it's a country it's an island it's everything how do you productize space so that people are able to enjoy it at different points of their lives at different points of the day or different points of the year how does space dynamically transform to meet the needs of the people so that they're continuously engaged motivated able to collaborate and ultimately unhappy or all the time. So space design or space usage took on the focus of becoming dynamic. So what is dynamic space? How do you create dynamic space? And that's where the whole concept of technology and data started coming in. So I said, space is about human experience. And that's where my whole shift towards uh, human engagement and human experience or experiential concept within space started, started coming. The house, energy, operation, efficiency, very important, can't yep. leave the table. But then started to go to the front of the house and talk about experiential, engaging space that would really allow a 21st century worker to feel very productive. Mm -hmm. And the, the way I would put it, Jim, with a simple analogy, when you play chess, the whole goal of the pieces on a chess board are to protect the king, very simple. In a building, the whole goal of the building should be to drive happiness of the tenant or the person using that space. So everything works around the human that comes inside that building. Whatever the needs of the human are, have to be met. And that's where the whole concept comes in of experience in space or experiential space design. Now- So, so from <laughs> Singapore, you went to the Middle East, another phenomenal project, BIHA. Mm -hmm. Can, can you can you translate how the journey from Singapore got you there? Yeah, the the so within within Singapore, Jim, you know, you can actually take the trace the Silk Road. I uh, mean, look at it. You know, I started working across Asia, started working across um, Australia, across Shanghai. Uh, we started focusing on large owners of land and real estate, which are universities. But they started focusing on student experience and student engagement because you know, you've got to take care of the younger generation. And along the way, I landed up in the Middle East, where you know, as you know, construction, development, and the high growth volumes that they have in the Middle East, they started focusing on how do we build more engaging buildings. Once again, aesthetics of buildings are extremely important. But you know, aesthetics don't meet my demands in terms of what needs I would have at that point in time. And that's where we started using, can we make buildings intelligent? Can we use artificial intelligence to drive building engagement and building responses to the occupants? Oh, of what year was space? this? This was uh, 2017, 20, 2018, you know, 17, okay. 18. So a good number of years ago, you were already knee deep in AI yep. as it relates to helping operate a building. Correct. And, you know, where the whole goal, and this has always been a struggle within our industry, how do we move from preventive to predictive? Uh, right. And, you know, FM businesses are highly cost sensitive. So it's not about spending all that money. It's about saying, if I do move to predictive, am I actually able to spend a lot less money and create a lot more value one of the key drivers that we look for is in is in addition to value where we start talking about value of real estate how are you able to increase that value so anything that you do has to be monetizable that's what we're all here to do so how is that actually going to matter and the only way you monetize something is if the user of that space sees a lot more 
value coming to your space versus going to your competitor space. When you walk into Biha, does it feel like a different building, a different experience? The well, we designed it to have a unique experience all the way from the entry, the the parking lot, to moving around within within that building, to be able to have your own engagement where you need. The the goal, Jim, is how are you able to create independence of the user that comes in, but also give them the the anonymity to be able to consume services that they require so that they are able to be a lot more productive in the environment that they are working in. So driving that balance of privacy coupled with anonymity, coupled with experience is what we were trying to do. So if a, if a corporate real estate executive facilities, a professional a workplace professional mm -hmm. was to walk into Biha, mm -hmm. would they, would they instantly recognize that it's different than things that they've felt and experienced? That was the goal. That was the goal. That's what we wanted to achieve. Because ultimately, the human mind, right, and, and it's all about human engagement and human senses. But I tell people that, you know, if you go into a place where you are welcome, you would instantly feel it. Yeah. If you go into a place where you're not welcome, you know, your body language, your signs, you would start so to feel true. it right away. How would you know? The, the same ways for space, the ambience, the environment, the uh, biophilia triggers okay, all that will ensure to let you know that wow this is a welcoming space you know see how comfortable i am and when once the body goes into you know that mode it's much more productive it's much more engaging and and obviously can create a much better work environment is that yep. the point? one example i'll give you jim let's say you you go into a place that's brand new you know nobody there right i mean you set in you're absolutely lost because nobody is paying attention to you, nobody's connecting with you, everybody is busy within their own conversations. And then in, in a distant, you see someone that you know, that you recognize, and that person looks at you, and that person smiles at you. Instantly, you forget about thousands of people that are there in the room, and you focus on that one person, and you get the feeling, ah, I know someone, I've connected to someone. That is the experience we are trying to drive when you walk into a building. So you leave the Middle East with the insight out of Singapore, and now you know they gave you permission to push the envelope. Now you show up in Redmond, trying to transform the Microsoft <laughs> campus. Give us, give us a little insight as to what that journey was all about. Yeah, the you know I had the one of the greatest uh, programs I had the opportunity to work on and privilege to work on was the East Campus Modernization Program. It was a massive program. It was not just me. There were um, hundreds of my colleagues, uh, thousands of people that actually contributed to the program. Where our goal was, how do you create a campus that is uh, connected, secure, accessible, sustainable, where we are able to ensure that people are a better version of themselves or they are a lot more productive than they would eventually be in in a campus somewhere else. And in addition to that, Jim, what we also wanted to do was we wanted to create an experience where you are truly inclusive and all of the services inside that campus are going to be accessible where anyone and everyone should be able to consume those services because that is what we believe in. Now, what are those services? What are those experiences? How, are, how did we design them? How do we use technology to enable them? And how are they going to be consumed was the challenge we had to deal with. And, you know, it was a phenomenal challenge, but it was a great, great, great outcome for us. 
So just like in, in, in the Middle East at Biha, if somebody who's in charge of a major piece of real estate, whether it be a campus or a regional office, mm -hmm. or in this case, even a commercial, but we'll focus mm -hmm. on the corporate world a little bit. Yeah, Fortune 250, if somebody you know in charge of running a real estate portfolio from a Fortune 250 company was to walk into the Microsoft campus, would it be different to the point where they can see it, feel it, smell it? Yes, absolutely. The, the reason for that is from the moment, so there are certain human triggers that we'll have to cater for, which only humans can provide. That's why you always notice all of our experiences are interwoven with, with humans. But the way you consume the services that you would like to get in terms of where do you want to go, where should you eat, what, what works for you, what type of triggers are important to you, what type of sounds are needed for you. Hey, you know, I've got certain conditions that need to be taken care of. Can I do that without inconveniencing someone? Hey, what is the quality of air here and there? You know, so all these elements will come together where it will create an environment that is most suitable for you. That well, and, it does, and doesn't it say to the employees that this company cares? I mean, that that they're paying a, a ridiculous amount of attention and spending an inordinate amount of money to create an environment that brings me to the best me. In fact, Jim, the the point that you just made was one of the core reasons we wanted to do this. And in fact, care doesn't apply to the employees alone. Care applies to all the contractors that come into our buildings. Right. Care applies yeah. to all uh, guests that we have. And care even applies to family and friends, and including kids, where we said, hey, if someone decides to bring their kids to work and they look at how well their parents are being taken care of, the aspiration is, you know what? I want to work here someday. Look how cool and awesome this company. Well, is. when you when you send me the treehouse office, that was off the charts. Yeah. <laughs> that that it's always been a goal of mine is to have one of my offices in a treehouse overlooking a beautiful gorge or, or you know body of water. All right, let's take a brief break to hear from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dig into the other side of this conversation, which is the technology side as it relates to the space. Nobody better to talk about it than Emmanuel. All right, let's bring Emmanuel back and have continue this phenomenal conversation. So, it, I mean, we just spent about what ten or so minutes talking. But if 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 you try to unpack what we just talked about, it's worth listening to that ten minutes and spending a few hours because you they the folks listening just got the benefit of fifteen to twenty years of your life at one of the most cutting edge concepts, ideas, transformations that modern history has seen. Okay, and that's a big statement, but I firmly believe that. So we talked mostly about the space. Now let's flip this, uh, the conversation technology. So now you've landed at Microsoft, had a phenomenal run, you know, putting your ideas and thoughts into this new campus and what did it look like? But PS, Microsoft also runs most businesses in the country, if not the world, with their enterprise platforms, you know, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, uh, everybody walk, walk, wakes up in the morning and turns on their Outlook in the last few years accelerated by the pandemic. We got teams and other products that we rely on now. So in addition to the space side of this, you you folks are front and center of understanding how we're going to work online. True statement or not? Yep. Okay. So if you take that and you combine it, let's not treat, think of them as two separate conversations, physical space and technology. Mm -hmm. With your knowledge of, of how we work online and collaborate, collaborate and use digital tools, mm -hmm. 
did that go into your thinking when you designed this new conference and in or, or campus? And and is the whole team's collaboration idea present in this new facility? Yeah, the, the you know that's that's a great question, Jim. And, and the way I answer it is yes. Uh, the the reason for that is when you design a team for collaboration, a room for collaboration, you have to look into all aspects of the room. You've got to look at the room size. You have to look at the room layout. You have to look at the, the furniture. You have to look at the height of the table. You have to look at the distance from the screen. You have to look at the optimum placement of sound so that sound reverberates of the walls correctly. Now, pulling all this together at the centerpiece of it is the ability to be able to merge remote attendees with in-person attendees and to ensure the right amount of inclusivity is given to everybody because we should not leave anybody out. Ultimately, the, the goal of a meeting is to drive equal inclusivity of all so people don't feel left out. That's what we're here to do. So all this is brought together by, by leveraging technology, physical design, and the human emotions attached, including empowerment of the humans in that room brought together so that you're going to create the most optimum meeting experience, whether you are in that room or you're outside of that room. So Teams has been around for a while, but mm -hmm. the concept of Teams rooms, which take into consideration all the things you just mentioned, mm -hmm. I think you've been on that journey for about two and a half, three years, it feels like. Okay, so, so not just the technology, but all the other aspects. Is it been about a couple of years now? Yeah, it has, you know, and I'll speak to it from the perspective of when I used to work within our uh, real estate organization. What we tried to do was when you start looking at the screen you and I are talking on, just before we started this, we, we wanted to ensure that, you know, we have equal size and equal proportions so that, you know, it looks like, you know, we are sharing the screen equally. Right. The same concept applies to a meeting room. If you're in a meeting room and you have a bunch of attendees who are dialing in remotely, how do you going to drive engagement with that attendee? And one of the aspects is they should be at your eye level, right? Yeah. So when you are sitting on a table at that chair, you have them at your eye level and you can look and engage and talk to them. At the same time, when you're talking about content that's being shared, why should the content take up the whole aspect of the screen where, you know, a large part of understanding how the content is, is looking at the body language of all the attendees in that room. Yeah. You get that when you are physically in the room, but what happens to remote attendees, right? What is their body language? What are the signs that they're putting across? Hence the, hence the aspect as part of Teams Room today, which, which you can check out, which is, hey, should the content be front and center? Should we have the should we have the audience at the bottom so that we all have equal level, equal height? How we able to drive that engagement? All As you're saying all these things, I'm thinking about Teams features like pop out and all the things that have given given us flexibility in our multi-screen worlds. I can mm -hmm. only imagine what happens when you start looking at that at the room level. Correct. Now you can check out all this online. Every you can go to Microsoft.com and you can find all the stuff that I'm talking about. All the details are there. We we published it. But the importance, Jim, you know, it is not the availability of technology. You know, because technology will change every day. We got, you know, better cameras, better speakers, better microphones. Space doesn't change so quickly. When you build a building, that building is there for the next 30 to 40 years. It's right there. You know, you can renovate that space, you can redesign that space. But it is about evolving that space to meet the needs. And that's where technology and the data that technology can capture allows us to create dynamic environments. So with all this stuff happening, 
You have different styles of collaboration, different forms of meetings. I can have a meeting where we're just talking. I can have a meeting where we have to have a workshop or a brainstorming session. Right? I would like to get up, walk around. I would like to draw on the board. How can I share that with someone who's written? You have a meeting where you you may have an AI assistant present, right? I mean, right. Uh, and, and that may not be a, a search bar. That may be what appears to be an avatar or somebody even looking like a real person listening yep. to the conversation and assisting in, in the conversation. I mean, these are all things that today's facilities, offices, conference rooms are just not ready for. They're Correct. Just, they're, they're just not ready for. So we, we're going to run out of time. But before we do, I want to talk about Cortec uh, 23 and Buildings AI, which we, we put right on the back end of Cortec for, for, I think, good reasons. So we've been on this corporate real estate facilities and workplace journey for 15 plus years. We've been on the Realcom journey for 25, but we wanted to focus on the corporate real estate world because we knew that's where a lot of America's work or the world's work gets done, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a, an intrinsic relationship between a landlord, a commercial owner, and a, and a tenant, a corporate real estate organization. Say, for example, you know, Google's facility in New York City, right? So you got a commercial owner who owns a building with multiple tenants. So we knew technology was going to bleed and that relationship needed to be formed. And that, that's really why we formed Cortec 15 years ago. What would you say to, to your real estate peers as to the importance of coming to an event like this where we talk about technology and real estate in the same breath? Mm -hmm. Look, you know, I think, I think it's absolutely critical. The reason I say it's critical, it's not because of how cool technology is. And, you know, and being a technologist, I love technology. Right? Do I overdo it a bit? Probably. But, but that being said, it is about understanding the application of technology to spaces so that you're able to drive higher engagement and higher productivity of people using those spaces. It is the why and not the how. Because for us to be, to be able to do that as designers, as architects, as people who consume that space, why do you need that data? And how is that data going to be captured? And what are you going to use that data? And how is that data going to allow you to create more engaging spaces? That's what everybody wants to answer in corporate real estate. In addition to that, Jim, you know, I would also say that uh, data is needed not only for built buildings, but data is also needed for, for buildings at the time of design, at the right. time of construction, because you need to make them smart to begin with. Coming to an event where you're able to sit down with your peers, you're able to sit down with colleagues, you know, from across organizations, say, hey, guys, how do you fix this problem? How did you go on the journey? What did you solve? And why did you choose X versus Y? That is the value that you would get learning from each other and exchanging notes on the best choice of technology for capturing the data to drive the best experience. How important is it for architectural and design firms to attend this event? It is important. The And the reason is all of our buildings are connected today you know you would hardly find a building that is not connected but the challenge is what do you do with that connected building are you leveraging that data for the right purposes everybody focuses on efficiency and sustainable and they should it is absolutely critical but you can also leverage the same data set and drive greater experiences how do you do that and what are those experiences that are going to stimulate and motivate humans is what the question is so having any &E firms coming in uh, to be able to understand how their initial designs has a massive impact on productivity of people that use their spaces for the next decade or more okay, is what they will get by by understanding technology well i, t I tell you just having this conversation there are very few people who can I can have this conversation with your experience is front and center. Your your willingness to share is front and center. 
First of all, I want to say thank you for being a co-chair for this year's event. Um, thank you for the years and years of support we've gotten from Microsoft on your journey because it, it aligns with our journey perfectly. You are one of the preeminent thought leaders in this space, and it's our job to take what you're willing to share with us and get the word out. And uh, I'm excited for this year's Cortec. Uh, I, I believe the people in the room will be the ones who are literally ready, willing, and able to roll up their sleeves. And despite mm -hmm. all the challenges we have on the real estate side and the technology side, they're going to sit down and say, we're, we're here for one reason, to work together mm -hmm. to try to figure this out. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Can't tell you how much I enjoy our conversations. I know I'll be in touch in the next couple of weeks, getting ready for this, this crazy event. Uh, and I uh, really looking forward to seeing you um, November 15th and 16th in Silicon Valley. Perfect, Jim. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. It was a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Be well. All right. What an engaging conversation. Um, a brilliant man, uh, a great man, a good man. And we're excited and very, very happy to have him part of our community. So with that, let's bring on our news. And I think we've got another guest. There she is. Hello, Lisa. Lisa Woods. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Well, um, I'm going to turn it over to you quick because I know we went over, but you don't get many opportunities to talk to a smart guy like Emmanuel. And, no, you and don't. I, I love, I love just witnessing conversations with him. He's so smart and he's so gracious and he's just, he's just such a good person. It's always, uh, you always learn something when you talk. Well, to him. And, and in a world of 140 characters and, you know, ADD and, and you know, instant gratification. Yeah, you know, as being the older guy in the room, I would say it's important to stop every once in a while, have critically thinking based conversations, debate, disagreement, follow it through. You cannot solve these problems with incremental tweets or or you know emails. You have to get together in rooms with people, have engaging hard conversations because this is not a cycle. This is a paradigm shift, and it's going to be everybody on deck, you know, on board to try to solve this. And having partners like like Emmanuel and Microsoft have have really been um, a saving grace for us. Meaning, you know, we we need to be able to have smart people like this to keep our conversation going. We so, certainly we certainly could not do what we do without people like like. No Emmanuel. way, no way. They're they're the engine. They're the engine of this little car. So yep. with that, I'm going to leave you alone. Go through the news, and I'll be you back right? when you're wrapping up. All right. Thank you. Well, our Realcom newsletter goes out every week um, and includes the top eight to 10 stories that directly relate to technology and real estate. In the next couple of minutes, I'm going to give you the highlight reel of the articles that we think uh, might grab your attention. Our lead article this week is a little different. It's the transcription of an interview with a respected New York Times reporter by the name of Kashmir Hill, who wrote a book called Your Face Belongs to Us. She's been investigating a company called Clearview AI, a secretive startup that developed an incredibly advanced facial recognition and search technology. So with the Clearview app, you can upload a single photo and the app can unlock every image of that person on the internet, which obviously has some pretty significant privacy issues. What's notable about this is that the big tech giants like Google and Facebook have had this capability for years, but haven't exploited it. I thought the interview was fascinating, but fairly chilling. 
The author relays some of her findings as she dug deeper into the story, her conversation with Clearview's CEO, and her thoughts on the intersection of facial recognition, technology, politics, and privacy. This is an absolute must read, and you can find it at the top of the newsletter, so go check that out. The next article I'll mention is from this week's sponsor, View, about the ongoing integration of IT and OT in business, how that's generated increased efficiency, but it has also raised significant cybersecurity concerns. As you're probably aware, there have been a string of high-profile cyber attacks at companies like MGM, John Control, John, excuse me, Johnson Controls, and Atlassian. These, in, these incidents directly spotlight the urgency of addressing cyber risks, the article also includes a link to eight crucial questions that building owners and operators should ask their vendors in an effort to improve their cybersecurity posture. And then finally, the article provides several key takeaways for CIOs, which include things like adopting a proactive approach, continuous monitoring, and fostering collaboration between IT and OT teams. The article covers a lot of valuable information, so you make sure that you give that a read. The last article I'll highlight this week is about New York City launching a smart city testbed program. The new program hopes to enable city agencies to partner with startup companies and academic institutions for emerging technology pilots. Applicants will be selected on a rolling basis with two projects selected per quarter. Projects will run from six to nine months and will be self-funded by the applicants. The article covers the first three pilots that New York City has announced, the first of which um, is the use of drones, robotics, and other technology to scan buildings for technology flaws, or I'm sorry, for structural flaws that might result in reduced energy efficiency. This will give building owners the chance to repair those issues. The second one is deploying computer vision sensors to study street usage and collect data about how and when New Yorkers use different modes of transportation. And then the third is a vacuum cleaner for pollution. This involves installing three systems in specific locations around the city that literally pull pollution from the air. Also in the news this week that you might want to check out, BXP, the largest uh, publicly traded developer, owner, and manager of premier workplaces in the U.S., announces that it has earned top ESG ratings in the 2023 Gresby assessment. Software giant Atlassian is bucking the return to office trend and has new ways of evaluating its real estate. The company says it will let employees work wherever they please, yet it still has ambitious plans for new offices. And then a few funding announcements. PropTech startup HQO secures $50 million and Swift Connect raises an additional $10 million. So this was not all of the articles. There were a couple of other ones I didn't have um, I didn't have a chance to cover, but go look in your inbox when you have a chance or go to the realcom.com um, uh, website and uh, click on the news link. So, yeah. I mean, talk about a fire hose. Um, I usually, when Howard's doing the news, I usually pick one or two, but boy, that, that's a tough list to pick from. But I will yeah. pick one just to comment on, which is, was the lead article, the privacy. And we didn't, tying it back to our conversation with Emmanuel, we didn't get time to get through it, but we will talk about it at Cortech and Buildings AI. Big, big mm -hmm. topic is the privacy conversation. And, right. and I'm really happy. I've been having this privacy conversation with Emmanuel and some of his predecessors about Microsoft and their new campus. They are 110% on board with privacy and, and people's right to it and creating these great environments, but respecting people uh, and not treating them just as a data element. So right. uh, I have not read that one yet. I, I think I tried to open it and then got some, got distracted, but I, you I really, actually- you 
You really should, because it's one thing, you know, privacy around data and privacy around, you know, some of the other aspects of of technology and how it personally impacts people. But when it comes to facial recognition, that's taking it a step further and that's getting really, really personal. So the article is really good. Well, I, I actually sent it to my, when I got it in my inbox, I sent it to myself again. So it went to the top of my <laughs> inbox, but then all day long, it just keeps dropping. I, right. we gotta, I, I think there's got to be some systems out there that I'm not using it to manage the stuff. I really, it really is getting to the point where you've got to be very calculated with where you spend your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and with that, I'll give a, a one final plug for um, Cortec 23 and Buildings AI. We are literally assembling some of the smartest, most innovative thinking people who are, are agreeing to come to a room with not all answers, but some questions as well. It's a roll up your sleeves type of, type of atmosphere. Nobody knows all the answers. We come and we collaborate and try to keep moving this ball. So thank you to um, uh, Manuel and our two other chairs, uh, Frank Cuevas and Kay uh, from HOK to uh, for just being great supporters and leaders uh, and, and helping to make this event and then as well as the Buildings AI event, which is day two. Uh, which is going to be equally as as uh, incredible. So, Lisa, thank you for the news. You did a great job, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. All right. Okay. So before I wrap, let's just hear from our final sponsor, and I'll be back to tell you a little bit about next week's episode. All right. So we're going to continue on the theme of AI. Um, you know, number one, because we got an event coming up, it's focused on it, and we're trying to put a lot of our energy into the topic. Um, but also because it's something we can't avoid and and we have to get to the bottom of where this stuff is going quickly. And so we are going to bring in uh, two of our smart building experts, uh, guys who've been at this an awfully long time. In fact, I remember the first day I met Rob Merchinson uh, in a building, I believe it was in Charlotte, where it's got to be 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, where, where they were working on getting Muzak, you know, that elevator music to run over IP. And they said that we don't need a separate system for music. We need to plug it into the IP network and manage even the music and the elevators and the speakers and the ceiling over IP. And right from that point forward, him and his partner, Tom Shercliffe, uh, have been uh, supporters of the community and real leaders in uh, in taking uh, this whole smart building concept to another level. So I reached out to them and said, hey, can you guys come on and let's talk about AI as it relates to the smart building, both the back end and the front end. And I'm sure we're going to have a very engaged exciting uh, conversation and uh, we don't always agree and it's fun when we don't but uh, these guys are incredible leaders in this industry and i'm happy to have them on next week's episode so with that hope everybody's having a great day a great rest of day good weekend and we'll see you next week on realcom live be well